Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi there, my name is Katie Wilmot and I'm an old priorian. I left St. Benedict's in 2002 and you may have heard me on an earlier podcast um, being interviewed by the pioneer of this series, Mark Mercado. So we thought it'd be a good idea to interview Mark himself to find out more about his career to date. Hi, Mark. How Hello, are you? Hello, Katie. How are you? How's it going? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. You know, lockdown is lockdown, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. We're it. hopefully nearing the end of it, but there you are. Um, can you tell us a bit more about what you do um, and uh, and describe a bit more about that and how you got into it? Yes. So I'm a broadcaster, journalist, producer, um, slowly trying to get into i suppose because i now run my own business and kind of become an entrepreneur um to, to all to varying degrees of success so i got into this because when i was like when i was a kid uh i really wanted to have a tv in my bedroom and my parents wouldn't allow me to have a tv in my bedroom when i say a kid i was like maybe six or seven but they let me have a radio in my bedroom which i became slowly obsessed with and I kept listening to loads and loads of radio and I listened, I really loved listening to football phone-ins, even though reflecting back on it, I barely watched any football at that point. I really didn't even understand the rules. And I used to try and phone into football phone-ins, what never got on it. It used to really annoy me. Um, and then I just got more and more into listening to things like Talk Sport and Five Live and Radio 4. And, and then obviously as I got older, I listened to more and more music as well and Radio 1 and Kiss. And, and, you know, all the music stations, all the radio stations are just obsessed with it. I never really talked about it with many people. So not many of my friends even knew how obsessed with radio was. It was a bit weird, I suppose, because I thought it was a weird thing to be obsessed with. As a child, I was conscious of the fact that it was a weird obsession. Um, and I, I wanted to work in radio loads, but I didn't really know how to do it. I didn't have any, you know, mainly probably because I didn't talk to anyone. I didn't, you know, I didn't mention it to anyone because it's, you know, when you're, when you're a 14 year old, it's a weird thing to say, I really want to work for Radio 4 or I really want to be on Radio 5 Live. Um, and so when I finished school, uh, like, I mean, I, I really enjoyed, I think it, you know, it's obviously quite well documented that I really enjoyed being at St. Benedict's because I wouldn't be involved in school now. Um, and like, while I enjoyed going to school, I wasn't really there for the academics. I was there for everything else. And then I kind of drifted off to university where I studied physiology. I uh, can't remember anything about what I studied at uni. When I got back from uni, it was kind of like, you know, do or die time. It was like, what do you want to do? And all my other friends were going off to work in the city. And I even had, I think I had a few job interviews in the city as well. But oh, I was wow. like, no, I don't really want to do this. I want to work in radio. And that was the only time at that moment when I'd actually thought about how to, how do I get into radio? What do I do? So 
my in, in the first instance i think i just emailed a load of people at the bbc just the email addresses i found and nobody got back to me obviously um and then i found like uh, a local community station in west london in hayes called hayes fm email them and i said can i get involved anyway somehow and i went down i got involved i loved it i went you know that was the first radio station i'd ever got to and within like a few weeks i was like totally totally obsessed by it and then i um was like right how do i get you know none of that was paid so it was like how do i get paid gigs what do i do and i was like i just basically need to get as much experience as i possibly can so i was doing like loads of temp jobs and offices and stuff like that just to make a bit of money to basically you know fund my what at that point was just a passion to to keep doing radio stuff and um i ended up volunteering at other stations all over london just doing whatever i could to get any experience i possibly could um even at that point i was making like podcasts about rugby and stuff um doing anything that was like vaguely broadcast based i'd be up for doing it didn't matter what it was um and then i think after about six or seven months of being there uh radio bbc radio london had a um a scheme with local community stations where they were helping young people get in some work experience and i got an interview for that and then i think they were taking two people from Hayes fm and i was one of the two people chosen and i got a week at the bbc and i thought this is going to be my big break amazing but then i absolutely messed it up oh no <laughs> <laughs> well it, well I, I was just really undercooked for it i didn't really understand what i need to do I, no one had really talked to me about what work experience was going to be like so i got there and I, I found the whole thing like I just didn't I felt like it, like I, I stood out like a sore thumb um, how old were you at that time oh I was about 22 23 right yeah um but I managed to still somehow kind of stay in touch with the people and then weirdly I, I, I so I was like frantically I would just email anyone I knew at the like anyone whose email address I could get hold of at the BBC who who appeared to have any sort of level of seniority I would just email them and just be like can I come in for work <laughs> experience right and the the that was probably in the history of the BBC the worst time to do it because it was um there was like politically there was loads of things going on there that meant that I, I only realized this later that it was really hard to just take people in mm. off, you know um off the street as it were uh, but I managed to somehow blag my way into doing some more work experience about two or three weeks after I'd been at Radio London at Asian Network. And they, off the back of that, I think I got offered shifts, like just to answer phones for them quite quickly. Mm. So, I and, and I was also lucky. <coughs> so from an architectural point of view, because I know you're into <laughs> architecture, because uh, Asian Network at the time were based at Television Center. Yeah. So I I did some, you know, for about, I think, just over a year, I think. I ended up working there for a little bit, which was which was amazing. It was an amazing building to be working in. Would that, um, am I right in thinking that was quite early days in the Asian Network? Because that would have been, they sort of came about through sort of DAB radio and so on, didn't they? So they weren't... Were yeah, they... So, so I think Asian Network actually has been on DAB since about 2000. Right. So this was... Oh, about eight or nine years into their into their reign, in, you know, okay. into them being a thing, and I was working on the on the Foden show with Nahal, who's presenting it, which was probably the best show for me to be involved in because even though both my mom and dad are Asian, I don't speak any other languages apart from English, right? And also like me, Nahal Sri Lankan as well, so you know, we had a common, you know, a, a, there was commonality between the two of us, so you know, he t- he took a liking to me, which was good. I was lucky. 
Um, and then once I got in there, I kind of felt like, even though the gap between the two, being at Radio London and being at Asian Network was quite small, I felt like I'd had a, a second bite of the cherry. So I was just like, look, I've got in here again and I'm never getting myself out. Like they're going to have to drag <laughs> me out if they're kicking and screaming. And then when I was there, I just started emailing people again, uh, trying to network, meet as many people as possible. Um, and I managed to, to get back to Radio London and did shifts there. And I was free. I was a freelance across the BBC. Just anywhere that I could find shifts, I would take it day or night. I'd quite often do two, two or even three shifts a day there. Um, I do, I did shifts at Radio One, Radio Three. I really enjoyed the Radio Three stuff I did because it was world music stuff. Mm. Um, I can't remember where else I did. I don't think I've ever done anything at Radio Four, Radio Two, and I've done a few bits at Five Live as well. Um, so yeah, anything that was going, I was I would take, and eventually I got offered a job at uh, Radio London, and I stayed there for years. I did. I really liked Radio London, and I really liked the people I worked with, and I was really lucky to be there. It was like for me, Radio London was almost a kind of it's it's very much me and Radio form in terms of it's just people Londoners talking about London, mm, which is what yeah. I I do a lot of. You know, there's a lot of dwelling on you know the music, the culture the style, the history, the architecture of the city, which is great. And I've learned so much about the city working from there as well. Great. Um, and then I ended up producing Vanessa Feltz's breakfast show and doing early breakfast. And then after being there for quite a while, I just, I, I, I was working with Paul Ross um, because the thing about radio stations is, is every now and again, they change their lineup. Just a, a lot of the time, it's just to try and freshen it up. Mm. There might not be anything necessarily wrong with the shows, but just try and change things. Mm. I ended up in a really weird shift where I would have to come in at like three, three o'clock in the morning. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And produce Paul Ross's show because he was, he'd been moved into early breakfast that was going out four till seven and me and him would just be so tired. Came in in a really swanky suit and a really swanky blue suit and was like, Uh, I've got um, well, I've got a TV thing or something I've got to do afterwards. I was like, all right, fine. It's pretty weird that you turned up at four o'clock in the morning in a in a in a really swanky blue suit. Uh, so he went off, and then about a day or two later, on uh, there was a press release that came out in all the radio uh, press about how there was a new station being launched and Paul Ross as one of the presenters, and that's oh, what he no. went his blue suit for. So then he was just like, oh, yeah, uh, by the way, I'm leaving in a few weeks. Yeah, um, it's always a giveaway if someone comes to work in a, in a sharp suit. <laughs> in a sharp suit at 4 a.m. And interviews well. on the horizon. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Um, yeah. And then uh, he was like, why don't you just e- email the guy and see what happens? So I turned up. for this. So he's leaving to go to this new station called Talk Radio that was owned by the people who started Talk Sport, which was one of my favorite radio stations growing up because it's so chaotic. And I was like, all right, yeah, I will. And um, part part of the reason I did it is because because I just couldn't adapt. My body couldn't work out that I had, you know, I just, this, I couldn't get into decent sleep patterns. I was just always tired. So I emailed this guy called Denny and uh, he emailed me back going, yeah, come in and have a chat about a job and stuff. So I went over and uh, we were talking about, well, he, defer- he obviously had my CV in his hand and the only thing he picked up was that I went to St. Benedict's because all his uncles had been to St. Benedict's and he'd went to... Ah. Yeah, he'd went to... I can't remember what school... He went to basically another Catholic or somewhere. So he had a connection and that's all we talked about and in the interview. And then I actually thought the interview hadn't gone particularly well, but then he called me up and offered me a job a few days 
like a day or two later, which at first I was reluctant to do because to kind of you know in in broadcasting people never say kind of if you get a BBC contract you should never leave it. And also I'd worked so hard to get there, I was like I can't not go. But then I yeah. thought about it, I was like, do you know what? I'm at serious risk of being institutionalised by working at the BBC because there's loads of people at the Beep who've been there like their whole lives. Yeah. So I was like, and I fancy a change and I really can't cope with waking up at this time of the morning anymore. Maybe I was a bit, you know, maybe, maybe the lack of sleep and made me, you know, put me slightly out of my mind. So I was like, screw it, let's do it. So when I, and, and also I wanted to be at a radio station when it just started because it's so rare that radio stations start. Um, so I went over and joined ta- uh, Talk Radio at its launch, which was fascinating to say the least. Um, mm. Because they had a whole new lineup, a whole new studio, a whole new you know set of staff. I w- I'd, I'd gone from a point where I was one of the least experienced members of the team to become one of the most experienced members of the team. Very you know in effect overnight, which was quite shocking um for me and i was put in charge of drive because i said i don't want to do breakfast or early breakfast or any early shifts anymore i want a nice shift where i can get in for about 10 o'clock and then leave um in, in the early evening so drive kind of really was my perfect uh place uh and and i was put in with a presenter called sam delaney to produce him um and yeah we, we got on with it it was great talk radio was massively chaotic when it started out um loads of you know it was it was kind of it was a it's a really fun place to be it's really you know it's lots of young people lots of good energy really scandalous people are going out all the time it's really sociable um and about six months into me being there the whole group of radio stations to talk sport talk radio virgin and they owned uh, at the time they owned a lot of local radio stations got bought by news uk which is uh, Rupert Murdoch's company the people oh, yes. the yeah how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. 
Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. And then, so I, so I stayed there for another two and a half years, yeah, after the takeover, during which time we'd moved over to the, to the New UK building, the London Bridge, and had a new studios and all that. And I had a, I had a great experience over there working with loads of different presenters, uh, learning loads. Went out to Washington to do all the uh, to do a week of broadcasting from there during the last Trump uh, during the last presidential election when Trump got elected. Did loads of OBs which are outside broadcast from Westminster, you know, outside Parliament. Managed, you know, spend time with various MPs and ministers and met I've met almost every major minister and former minister over the last few years um went to party uh, conferences and stuff like that had an amazing time and about did loads of broadcasting around grandfell as well when that happened um and made i think i've made some friends for life there but then um ended up producing Eamon Holmes there for two years as well which was great um and then about what are we in june now yeah first day of june um, about three or four months ago, I decided that I think my time producing a daily radio show had come to an end and a little podcast company had set up with Sam Delaney has kind of been ticking along for about a year to 18 months now. So I was like, I'm just going to go full time into that and see what happens. Amazing. So quite a move into something, I guess that's a kind of entrepreneurial side of what you do is yeah. to have set that platform up with Sam and, and to see where that goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously, podcasting's kind of um, you know not been around as long as radio has, but in a, in essence, the the same principles of what make a good radio show make a good podcast, right? Yeah, sure. And that's actually something I was really interested to ask you because um, I guess I had this idea that you you're now doing a job, although a lot of the skills might be transferable from things you've done in the past. You're now doing a job that never really existed when you were at school. So podcasting you know, if it was around, it was really in its infancy, sort of when you were still at school. So um, what what was it that you did want to do at 18? Did you have any idea at all? Or was it just about radio or? Uh, so, yes. Yeah, so when I was at 18, what I really wanted to do was work in radio, right? I really, at the time, I probably wanted to work in music radio. Um, what I found, there was, there was two things. It was really difficult to, like, mute. Radio is a creative art form, right? But a lot of careers people don't really put it in, in, in a creative side of it. And that actually, if you speak to a careers department, they will try and always push you towards, uh, if you want to do radio, they'll always try and push you towards basically aiming to get on the Today Show and Radio 4, which is like really high end, <laughs> really well produced radio, right? And obviously it has, has a role. Like, you know, my parents love it. They, they think that's, you know, until I get under the Today Show, they will not rate my career, right? Um, but when you go to, when you speak to careers people and seek careers advice at 18, so I basically want to work on Radio 1 or I want to work on Kiss FM. They, they don't really know what to say. And I, I, I think I've got a little bit, like the age I am now in my mid thirties, I've got sympathy for careers departments who have to deal with kids saying that because yeah, it's, it, like, it's a very specific, it's not even a skill set. It's, you just need to be passionate about it. You just need to want to go out and get it. That's the only way you can go and do it. Yeah. And, you know, there is various, now there, now there's a lot more than when I was younger, um, radio courses. I mean, there's a good course at Westminster, 
Um, I think there's there's good courses at various different unis. City University do loads of journalism courses, including the radio specific one. Um, that, that I mean, I suppose what you were just telling there about your sort of journey so far, ninety percent of what you spoke about was actually just about networking, yeah, and getting to know people and taking those chances when they come up. Um, and, but you studied physiology. Did you say physiology at university? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And what made you study that then? If you knew you were oh, interested, I, basically, in- I was re- I, like. You know, obviously, one of my passions is sport as well, and I was considering doing sports science, um, but nobody around me thought it was a good idea to do sports science. They were like, "Nah, do physiology; it's a little bit more academic." Mm. Um, so, what were you studying at A level? Uh, biology, economics, and chemistry. Oh right, were, okay. Like, obviously, you don't. I didn't do economics GCSE, but the other two were probably the subjects I was best at at GC at GCSE. Mm. Mm. So, which like, so when people are like, what, what course should you do to get into, to get into broadcasting? I'm always like, just go and do anything. Like my, my advice is always don't try and specialize too soon. Yeah. And that actually at that time you should try. I personally, I think you should just focus on enjoying life. And, and yeah, because your, experience. your actual, your interest in broadcasting came out of that interest in sport. Exactly. Right and and vice versa, the two work well together. Yeah. So yeah. it's interesting that you kind of follow your, the thing that you're interested in that leads you to kind of telling the world about it, as it were. Yeah. So quite a lot of the time, I have to, you know, I work with people in radio, especially young people come in, and you're like, "What is your passion? What are you passionate about?" And they're like, "Radio and broadcasting," and they can tell you everything. You know, they can tell you exactly who was presenting what show or what station at what time. You know, at any moment over the last twenty years. But actually, that in itself isn't enough. You need to be passionate about other things because the main job is to be able to, in effect, in essence, what it boils down to is storytelling and being able to hold a conversation. Those are actually the two key skills you need for broadcasting. And you're going to only get that from having a depth of personality. Yeah, yeah. So aside from the the sort of podcasts that you're working on at the moment, what are the ones that you um, follow that you really admire from a kind of production broadcasting journalistic point of view. Are there any kind of podcasts out there that you think um, people should be listening to? Yeah. So I think my, in terms of like telling the story, my favorite podcast is probably This American Life. Yeah. Great. Um, yeah. It's brilliant, isn't it? And that's, yeah. if you, um, you might, if you haven't heard of This American Life, you may have heard of Serial, which I think is kind of widely regarded as the most successful podcast series of all time. Oh, it's phenomenal. Yeah. Which was a spin-off of This American Life. The first episode was a This American Life episode and then they they you know, they pulled it into storytelling into a longer form storytelling format, right? Um, which I, I think with This American Life, um and why I like it so much is because they take so much time to research and produce the stories where in a lot of the podcasts that I do at the moment, we it's don't that's not the kind of format that I made much of. I mean I want to at some point be able to make that. Um, and I've got a few ideas of what stories I would chase if I if I had the time to do it. But in in mm. America, the podcast market's a lot more developed, so they have time to do that. They you know there is time and the money for for people to do that. Where in the UK, almost the the market itself isn't quite fully developed. So there's a lot of people just trying stuff out to work out what works and what doesn't work. Yeah, I think there's a lot more. Um, I, I I love I love a good podcast and I've got probably half a dozen that I listen to religiously and you're right I hadn't thought about it that way but the American ones are much more about storytelling over a longer period of time like I love the other podcast is S Town which I think is great and yeah. um, that's from the same people uh, right that's from the yeah same people, same people. Yeah. and yeah. also Criminal which is a sort of short burst of stories but still really interesting but over here I sort of stick more to the comedy 
I think we do comedy really well over here. Yeah, because um, I think we're more personality driven, right? So yeah, true. If you don't have the time to tell a good story. You need a good personality to tell the story to bring it. To yeah. Life. Finally, I guess we're kind of starting to come to the other side of lockdown. But what I'm interested to know is, um, I guess you've been working from home. Yeah. Have you? Yeah. Yeah. I've been working has there from been home. An- yeah? Has there been anything you've sort of noticed about the way you've been working or? Um, your ambitions that has changed over the last sort of couple of months that you're going to stick with that you so, weren't doing before so from a my production company is called 1129 and from an 1129 perspective in some regards lockdown came at like a really good time for, for us because we as a company we don't have a lot of overheads so we can run we don't need a lot of money to keep the business going as it were and lockdown basically gave us a chance to to take stock of what we've got and then spend a lot of time where there isn't the kind of the commercial pressures of running a, a business have kind of fallen away at the moment. Uh, so it gave us time to, to, to invest in our, in our inventory as it were and put, you know, grow what, what our, you know, our, our slate of podcasts that we offer and, and grow our audience base, which hopefully when we come out of lockdown, people will buy into. Oh, yeah, no, I think it's great. It's, it, there's so many good things that I think have come out of this, despite all the kind of, suffering as well i think in on an individual level we've all found ways to do things slightly differently that we we actually could have done before and never really thought of it or never did it that way um so yeah it's been fascinating i was gonna say the the other kind of aspect of lockdown is though is that i found it's given me personally a lot of time to reflect upon my life and to to find ways you know because when you get into you know in the pre-lockdown world when we're all working i was running around like a thousand miles per hour trying to do stuff but lockdown has just forced the pace of life to to, to slow down and i found like i've looked back to my you know i've looked deep into myself and i've been much more reflective which i think has been a positive as well yeah absolutely yeah definitely yeah good chance good opportunity to take stock isn't it really yeah yeah and i hope i have i don't know maybe maybe i have and i've got totally the wrong take from it who knows who knows everybody's different yeah well um thanks for sharing your career story it's been really fascinating mark oh thanks for having me no problem thanks for doing this (laughs) no worries hi this is craig robinson from ways to win and support for this podcast comes from invesco qqq the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. <laughs> 